as you as you go in prayer today. Now I'm going to be reading to you my text today is taken from the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to be reading the twelfth and thirteenth verse. It says, "For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit." and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the day. Thank you for the many blessings of it. I thank you for the time that uh, I get to come here and, and and preach a word. Lord, I pray for those that on the prayer request list that I mentioned tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll lift them up. I pray, Lord, that everything will go well. We know we're living in some times when uh, uh, so much sickness, and especially with this plague that's going on today. Lord, and I pray that you'll see fit to, to continue to... Uh, 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 keep us safe continue to keep us away from it lord and i pray for those who uh, who are members of our church lord that they'll learn that they've got to stay away from these things and and lord that they'll they'll, they'll see fit to uh you'll protect them and we just pray that you've already done that lord and i pray that you'll take care of us lord i pray for this message I pray that you'll use it for thy honor and thy glory, for it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> I want to ask you a question or two before I get started tonight. What do you believe about this word? Now, I'm going to be explaining some things to you tonight concerning this text. This text is, is, this text is un- understood a little differently than... Some people understand it, and I'll I'll be explaining that to you as we go through here. Do you believe to be, do you believe this to be Christ's word? Now, when, when you see the word word in the Bible, you know, many times it's you, not many times, matter of fact, less times, it's used as a written word, but many times it's used as the incarnate word, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the case here. The word here is, is used not, not as the written word, but as the word, of, the word which is Christ. <clears throat> the Bible says in our text, uh, well, let me say this first. Our, our text for tonight must be understood as as the word logos, meaning Christ Himself. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna explain this to you why that these this written word doesn't have the power that the Word of God, that the one who is the, the essential Word, who is behind the whole Word here. Uh, this is not talking about the written Word here. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful in verse 12. Now, Christ is the essential word. 
He is the essential word. John says in John 1, 1 and 2, In the beginning was the word. Now, I know that uh, King James and, and most of the Bibles capitalize the word there, which they understand this to mean the logos. But there's other places that the word is mentioned that is also referring to the logos, but it's not capitalized. But we know it is here. And sometimes this is what throws our understanding of this passage off. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. Now this is why Christ is the essential Word. He is the essential Word. This is the reason David wrote in, in Psalms 119.89, David wrote, he said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Well, the word was long before uh, we ever received the written word. And the word was in all eternity. The word was God, and the word was with God when all creation took place. And even, even the word is referred to in the scriptures as being also the creator, which uh, Christ is, is, is the creator in, in that sense. Now, um, the word of God was a known name given to the Messiah among the Jews. And this is why that Paul used this here and, and used it as, a, as the logos. is because these Jews, these Hellenistic Jews that Paul was writing to here, they only understood the word as being the Messiah and the Messiah that was to come. Now, in other words, the word was their gospel. It was their gospel that, that they received uh, here. Now, this leads uh, these Jews who Paul was writing to understood who the word was. It was the word, it was the word they rejected. Uh, not, not to understand. I'm, I'm sorry. It was a word. It was the word they rejected, and not to under, not to understand who, not understanding who the word was. It was a word they rejected, and not a book. Today, a lot of Christians reject the book, and in rejecting the book, they reject Christ. I mean, if you if you reject the things in this book, you're rejecting Christ because Christ is the essential word and he is the very word of this book. The very word, the, he's the very word of this book. He's the very word that this, this book is written on and written about in this. <clears throat> this puts a whole new meaning on rejecting the gospel. When we, when we think about you know, Armenians are very adept at at saying, you know, we uh, uh, we reject Christ or we accept Christ. Well, you, you, you're not when, when you when you reject the gospel, you are rejecting Christ. And and when you when you reject uh, the Word of God, you are rejecting Christ. And this doesn't reject. They don't reject the gospel, but it's Christ that they reject. Rejecting Christ is rejecting the author 
and the finisher of faith. He is the sum, the substance of the gospel. If it wasn't for the word, that is the logos, we would not have a gospel. If it wasn't for the logos coming to the world as the Messiah and, and, and died on Golgotha's hill and given his life uh, for us, we would not have a gospel. There would, there would not be a gospel if it wasn't for him being who he was. Many believe the gospel words, but they soon reject. And this is something that people don't look at and don't see. This is, this is a thing that the Armenians don't look at and don't see. And that is they reject the gospel's commandments. You know, the gospel has commandments attached with it. Uh, in one place, it's called the gospel of grace. Uh, in another place, it's called the gospel of life. And so we, we know that, that this gospel that we preach is a living, it's a living thing. It's not a, it's, it's not, it's not a dead thing. You know, I, I know that I've said many times over the years that this Bible is as, if it had legs, it could walk because of Christ. Christ makes it the living word, makes it the living word. And so it's because of Him that it is the living word, but but it, it is Christ who is essentially driving the thoughts and the intents of this word that I have before me tonight, that is the Bible. Today, today, a lot of Christians, uh, I've already said that, uh, let me say this, many believe the gospel words but soon reject the gospel commandments. Now, he is, now let's remember that he is, Christ is, sharper than any two-edged sword. He, he makes this word, he, when he applies this word to our hearts, he makes it sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, that's Christ. And that's written in verse 12. That's Christ. Christ who is, Christ is the one who's discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This, this written book doesn't have that power. This written book, you know, if, if, if it did somewhere in here, it would have something that I'm going to talk about right now in just a few minutes. If, if it did, it would have this in it. Now, yet, this word is alive, and the essential word, which is Christ, is the effectiveness of what we call the word of God today. That's what we call it today. We call it the word of God today because Christ is the one that makes this word effective. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit uses this word, and just like the Holy Spirit, you know, each, each, each uh, person of the Trinity had a particular, uh, uh, um, I guess you could say a particular job, if you want to put it like that. God the Father was the creator. Jesus the Son was not only, not only God, but he was creator, and he was also Savior, and, and, and he was that. And the Holy Spirit is the one that uses the word 
uh, uses the word, uh, if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't a part of the Trinity, then the Holy Spirit would have nothing to, to hold uh, the word effective in our hearts. So, so God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three are, are essential for the gospel to be a true gospel, for salvation to be true salvation, for, for uh, a new birth to be the, the true new birth. Then Christ had to, uh, 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 this, Christ had to be the essential use of this word. <clears throat> he is the omnipotent and omniscient God of all eternity. Now this word is not that. This, this, this word that I hold here tonight is, is not omnipotent because, you know, you can sit down and read it all day long and still die and go to hell. I mean, you can, you can read this word. A lot of people make a lot of, of, of bragging about the fact that I've read through the whole Bible. And, and, and to believe it, some folks believe that that's all they need to do to go to heaven. Some folks believe all they need to do is just take a verse out of its context and use it and, and use it and say, well, yeah, I believe that and call that salvation. The word, this word doesn't have that power. It's not omnipotent. This word is not omniscient. This word, this word doesn't know, you know, you can go and do the worst sin and carry the Bible with you. You can, uh, you know, that's the reason I've always said that, you know, when I went into military, uh, they told me that they usually, and I wasn't saved then, so I didn't, I didn't know anything, but they told me that they, they usually swear, have you swear on the Bible that you're going to uphold the Constitution of the United States and that you're going to uphold this country and you're going to, you're going to uphold this flag and, and all those things. And, and, but they said, uh, the general that, swore me in, he said, we don't use the Bible anymore. So he explained it to me. He said, we don't use it because, he said, this is not the proper thing to do with, with the Bible. And he's right. And uh, it's not a proper thing to do in court. Either. That's the reason they don't do it in court anymore because it's not the proper thing to do as far as that is concerned. Because like I say, you know, you can lay your hand on this Bible and, and, and you can say, well, I swear on my mama's grave. I swear on this Bible. I swear on my church. I swear on my pastor. I swear on everything else. And then you think, well, that's, people's going to believe you're what you are. But that don't mean anything. Swearing on your mama's grave don't mean anything. Swearing on this Bible doesn't mean anything as far, as far as that goes. The only thing is that this is the way God has of communicating what he would have us do to us through God the Father, through Christ the essential word, the Logos, and through the Holy Spirit in, 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 that, in that order. Christ is the, I'm sorry, Christ is, is, is the God of all eternity. Christ is the everlasting judge which makes this book, which is the, the substance of all things, judge and jury as the, as the one's uh, entrance to eternal glory. You know, the words that are in here are backed up 
by the word of by by the logos. In other words, if if it says in here that these things are written that you might have eternal life, they were put in there for that reason because uh, uh, because when we when when you when you study this word, the words of Christ will come out. And, and they'll they'll give you the the comfort that you need in, in that, but uh, it's it's a it's a great misuse of the Bible today, is how people misuse the Bible. If I read it all the way through, I'm going to be all right. If I just read uh, uh, John three sixteen and say I believe it, I'm going to be all right. Well, that's 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 taking everything out of context of the Word of God. And it's taking everything out of context of what Christ said and, and, and what God, even before the world began, as I read to you back up here, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, that this word was here before it was ever written down on paper. This word was here. And so that's why that, that this, the word he refers to here, He's not talking about uh, the written word of God, but he's talking about the logos. Uh, 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 again, you know, I can take you to another passage in Rome, in, in the book of Romans, where that it says, uh, uh, and, and, and the word he talks about in Romans, he talks about uh, the, word, uh, the word being uh, 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 effective as far as salvation is concerned. But he's talking about Christ there in the gospel. He, he's talking about the word, the word of God, which is, which is Christ, Christ Jesus. Not talking about the written word. But now there is one place in, in the book of Romans where he does talk about the written word. But, but that just goes to show you that it's used uh, in different ways uh, in the scripture. Now this book is as alive as Christ makes it alive. This book is alive. If we believe in Jesus, then this book is good enough for us to learn what God would have us to do and what He, the commandments that he gives us that he expects us to keep. But uh, a lot of people are, like I said earlier, you know, they, they believe the gospel, but they don't believe the commandments that comes with the gospel. They don't believe the commandments, you know, in, in the book of 1 John, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and, and his written commandments are in this written word of God that we have here that, that sometime after Paul was beheaded and sometime after some of the, the disciples were, were martyred, we got this written word. You know, in, when you go back to 1 Corinthians, when Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 13, let me go back there just a moment. In 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the 13th chapter, he says over here, he says, he says, he says in the ninth verse of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says, um, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Then he says, but when that which is perfect is come, now he's talking about the word. <coughs> he's not talking about the coming of Christ. 
He's talking about when this word is completed, when this word is done. When, when that which is perfect has come, it, it, it's, at this time, the word has not been completed. Then that which is part shall be done away. That which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that's what he's referring to here when he says, you know, we, we, because of the Word of God, because when the Word is completed and we have the Word, we'll not only see what Christ is like and be able to understand it, but we'll also see what God, the salvation is like. We, we, need, we see what being saved means. And we see all of these things. And, you know, before the Word was completed, you know, those people during Paul's day, who did they have to depend on? To, to get the word. The apostles, they had to depend on Christ and the apostles because what, whatever Christ and the apostles spoke, they had to believe that that was the truth because they didn't have anything to back it up. Well, today, what, what, this, what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches, you know, when we preach a Bible and we say, well, this is in the Bible, then we have Christ to back us up on the truth of this word. In other words, the witnesses that are here includes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These are the three witnesses that makes this word that we speak to you and preach to you the truth. Now, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of, uh, of, of, of things that people, they, they wonder, well, is the King James Version the word? Is is uh, is the NIV the word? Is the ESV the word? Uh, are 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 these the word? Well, there's a lot of argument over that, but I do believe that God preserved this word that Paul spoke of here, when that which is perfect has come, meaning the essential word, but but yet it is in a form of a written word. When that which is perfect has come then that which is in part shall be done away with. And he said down in the 12th verse, For now we see through a glass darkly, because we don't have that witness to back us up. For when we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abide of faith, hope, charity, these three but the greatest of these is charity. And, and, and the, word, the word backs that up. The, word, the, the, the written word is true. The essential word, the logos, is true. And all of this is true, and all of this is a witness. Christ even witnessed of himself. God even witnessed of himself. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit's witness was of himself, of what he would do and what, what he would say. And so we, we have to believe that, that, that all of that is, is the truth. Now he goes on to say here, he says, He is the, Christ is the Word of God. The Word is the birth mind of the one and only Savior. He, he, is, he, is, the, he is the birth mind of the one and only Savior. There, there's not, the Bible doesn't talk about one Savior and God talks about another. There's only one Savior. 
and, and, and that's the birth mind uh, of the Savior. In other words, concerning the new birth, Christ is the only begotten of the Father, thus making this word the only begotten of the Father. This word is also the only begotten of the Father. Now he goes on to say in, in verse 13, he says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now, this word doesn't know what you're doing. You can carry this Bible, this written word, and you can carry it uh, uh, with you and, and do some terrible sin. And this word is not going to say anything. This word, you know, you're not going to open up your Bible and all of a sudden the word be speaking to you. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. And, uh, but the word that I'm speaking of, the Logos, that there is nothing that is manifested or nothing done in his sight that he doesn't know about it. Being a two-edged sword, he cuts by the words of his mouth, being a two-edged sword by the power of his spirit and by the power of his grace, by the turning of his face upon all those who sin against his glorious self. It was Isaiah who said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, you and your God, that is the two-edged sword, has separated you from you and your God, what, what separated Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden? A sword. What separated Paul from his household? A sword. God put a sword uh, uh, on, on, the, on the entrance of his household. And, and Paul, I mean, not Paul, but David. David, when David sinned that terrible sin, you know, a sword was put up on his house. And, and when the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve committed their terrible sin, a sword was put upon the Garden of Eden that they could no longer, they couldn't enter back into it. They were put out of the Garden of Eden and they couldn't enter back into it because God had, God had blocked it. He had, uh, he had uh, uh, divided asunder uh, between you and your God. Well, that's what sin does. You're, when, when, you're, when, you, when you sin, the two-edged sword divides asunder uh, you between you and your God. You, you'll say, well, uh, God, God will forgive us. He will if you confess it. He will if you repent of it. He will forgive you of it. I was talking with a man today that I was, it's the very same thing. Uh, he asked me a question about, about, uh, what should he do as far as if, if he committed a sin, what should he do? And he, he's a member of, uh, he's a member of a Methodist church, but but I told him, I said, you have to confess, and I even read to him the scriptures, that you have to confess and, and repent of that sin that you have committed. In other words, uh, when God puts that barrier between you and him, like he did the Israelites, when their iniquities turned his face from them, when God puts that barrier between you and him, that is, that is the cutting uh, of the sword. But your iniquities have separated between you and yourself. He, man he manifested every sin we commit and demands a confession and a repentance. And, and now, the two-edged sword, 
divides asunder the soul and spirit. Now, what is that referring to? You know, happy people are not only happy in their soul, but they're also happy in their spirit. Unhappy people, you will find unhappy people who are, they, they may be okay in soul, but they're unhappy in spirit. Well, this is, this is what happens when we sin. Well, when, when we sin, we, we uh, cut asunder, we cut asunder the soul and the spirit. And, or the spirit, I believe, being the mind. That's the reason I'm a, a trichotomous and not a dichotomous. I believe man is body, soul, and spirit, and I believe the spirit represents the mind. And and so this is where this is where our problems begin. When we sin, our problems begin in our mind. You you know you can't get those things out of your mind. You can't get rid of them. You want to get rid of them. You want you you don't want them anymore. You want to get rid of them, but it it doesn't work like that because sin sin divides asunder. That is, the two-edged sword divides asunder the soul and spirit or the mind. Now, the mind is concerned with the joints and marrow. Sickness. Sickness, you know. Let me tell you, a bad mind will cause sickness. Will cause a lot of things. Will cause a lot of things to happen to people. And, and, and the soul is the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm, yeah, the soul is the false and intense of the heart. What brings about sin in our lives? It is not the thought and intense of the heart, but here's what it is. He says, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, the written word don't have eyes. It can't see. It does, it doesn't have a soul. That it, that, that it, that it has to be right in order to go to heaven. It doesn't have all those things. We have those things and, and, and Jesus and God, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit will work on us in many different ways when we sin. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with, with, with whom we have to do in verse 13. This is more proof that the apostle is speaking about Christ. Listen, folks, he is making a book of everything we do. And this is not the book here. This is not the book. I, I do believe that uh, when when men stand before the great white throne of judgment, I, I believe they're going to dispute the Bible with the Lord. I believe they're going to dispute uh, the... the uh, the book that Christ has written. They're going to dispute that. Men's going to, just like they do today, men are going to dispute that. They're going to dispute uh, the things that, and, and that when they stand before there, and, and ultimately in the end, you know, he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I, I, I know you not. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I knew you not. Uh, and he, he's, going to, he's going to, solemn words. He's going to say, depart from me. I knew you not. <clears throat> you know, um, listen, folks. He is making a book of everything we do. 
And someday he's going to reveal that book. All things we have done and we'll, and, and they will become our judge and our jury of our standing as far as eternity goes. These, this book here, this written book, this book here that was inspired by God will become our judge. And, and believe it or not, it's our judge today. You know, when, when, when we, when we try to dispute things, the Word of God becomes our judge because as we're going to learn Sunday, if we get to preach Sunday, we're going to learn Sunday that, uh, that the Word of God is, is a sword. And, and because it's a sword, it's a divider. It's a divider among men. It's a divider among, among everything. And so we know that Jesus Christ is the great divider. God, God the Father is a great divider. And the Holy Spirit is a great divider. But we know that he, the, this word that God has given us is also a judge and a divider of the things that, that, that we have to do. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm not trying to belittle the written word because the written word is important. It's a very important thing. But if, if we reject the essential word, the logos, then the written word means absolutely nothing to us. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, he says, we're, we're not even subject to the word of God. You know, if you're not saved, the word of God means nothing to you. The word of God, the judgments in the word of God means nothing to you. The judgment in the word of God means everything to us as his saved. And I say as I close this message tonight, may God have mercy on we clay figures in the maker's hand. You know, that's all we are. We're just clay figures in the maker's hand. And I, and I pray that God will, uh, uh, will bless you and bless you. And I pray that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that you'll come to know him, that you'll come to know what it means to be born again. You'll come to what it knows to be saved. And, and a lot of people today are just Christians. They're no more. They're just Christians. And, 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 and they, they don't, they don't say, they don't think that even this written word teaches what a Christian is. A Christian is Christ-like, but people fall real short of being Christ-like. May God bless you and may God be with you in all things and, and pray that God will answer our prayers and pray that we will know, uh, what to pray for and how to pray for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.